Welcome to MedTech Talk, a weekly sit-down with the innovators, investors, and executives leading the MedTech sector. Now, here's your host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We had a great conversation at the MedTech Investing Conference about the state of surgeon entrepreneurs. Uh, whether surgeons still have the time and the ability, really, to work with technologists to advance medtech technology. Today, I'm speaking with uh, Dr. Jeff Gertner, who's co-founder of the Totana Group. Uh, it's a group that is founded by, again, Dr. Gertner and his partner, uh, Dr. Michael Longacre. And both of them are practicing physicians, but both of them also see an opportunity to create new medtech technologies. Uh, they've raised a small fund to help fund the, uh, the efforts of the Totana Group. And they're working uh, in a unique way to really uh, develop new technologies and new treatments uh, for patients in a number of areas. So we hope you enjoy uh, this perspective. And thanks again for listening in. Well, Jeff, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking some time. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, a conversation we had at the, the MedTech Investing Conference uh, a bit ago focused on, on the state of the surgeon entrepreneur, and, and you're, you're both, you've got a, an interesting approach to, well, both practicing medicine and, and innovating ideas. Can you give us a, a bit of your background? What is it you're, you're doing at, at Stanford, and how did you come to uh, co-found Tautona? Sure. Uh, so currently I'm a uh, full professor of, of surgery at Stanford, and I'm um, uh, the, one of the vice chairman of the, the surgery department and have a, a busy clinical practice at Stanford. Um, also have a, a laboratory uh, at Stanford uh, focused on translational projects, uh, things that might have an impact in the real world. And, and uh, you know, really, Tautona came out of uh, the frustration that I had with um, getting those things across the, the valley of death um, uh, from an academic project um, into something that uh, can actually be commercialized. And uh, I had some experience, um, had been involved in several startup companies that, um, that I had founded, uh, some of which have, had done well. Uh, but being part of that process, you realized that uh, for some markets and for some niches, um, you know, the classic venture capital model was really challenging because of the need to have, you know, very large market sizes for them to move the needle on their their funds uh, if the if the project is successful. And so you had lots of, of projects in, in surgical disciplines that maybe weren't billion dollar markets uh, that really did fit a clinical need or need or meet a clinical need would help patients would uh, ultimately be useful to physicians that you just couldn't figure out how to get financed, um, even if they were very good ideas. And so uh, Tautono was really um, started as, as kind of a vehicle to do uh, what we call capital efficient or extremely capital efficient uh, project development. Uh, um, it's outside of Stanford, so you kind of, um, you know, throw the project over the transom, as it were, uh, and it becomes then a wholly uh, owned private uh, project with no uh, ties other than a license agreement uh, with academia. Uh, and then you kind of do the classic uh, medical device um, uh, process where you, you work through intellectual property, you work through um, the, uh, the, the various reimbursement issues, uh, you work through regulatory path, you prototype and you, uh, you develop the project. Uh, but unlike the venture model, you do try to do that on 
really as little money as you possibly can. You don't have a bunch of CEOs and CMOs and CFOs and, and all that sort of infrastructure. Um, and then you, the other thing that's different is you engage the strategics very early. Um, and so that's kind of contrary to the venture capital adage of not lifting the kimono. Um, you lift the kimono very early. You engage with strategics and, and um, see if there's interest. If there's not interest, then you potentially, you know, don't go, don't go forward with that project. And you, you know, again, um, the one thing that hasn't changed is there's lots and lots of, of clinical surgeons with good ideas out there that are really just trying to find a way to, to make them real. Well, I think venture capitalists will say that they, they try to keep their costs down or, or their portfolio companies cost down. Uh, they'll keep the burn rates low and make the capital last as long as possible. What is uh, different? How, how do you do that differently than uh, than traditional portfolio companies might? Yeah, so so we actually have under the same uh, roof, under the same infrastructure, under the same quality system at any given time, ten to fifteen different projects, um, and so uh, as opposed to independent single product companies, which you know really you have, although you do keep the capital. Um, uh, uh, requirements down in, in a venture model. At some point, the, the project itself might be in question because of FDA, uh, because of reimbursement decisions, where you really need to spool that down. It's very difficult to do that with a company. It's very easy when you have 15 projects that aren't companies within one roof. You can essentially kill projects, reallocate capital um, to projects that look like the stars have aligned and you can be much more nimble. Um, so having 15 companies um, in a portfolio, which would be a very full medtech um, portfolio for a medtech-focused venture fund, very different than having 15 projects under management at Tautona, uh, where we can, you know, with in a, on a weekly basis, really real reallocate capital um, into uh, into projects that are winners and kill things that are, are losers without having to go through the drama of, you know, you know, essentially shutting down a company. How do you define Tautona? Do you do you shy away from the incubator model? It doesn't necessarily sound like an incubator, but but do you have a, a name for it because you you are creating ideas, but you also do have a fund that you're investing of your own, correct? Yeah, so we call it a medical product development fund. Uh, so it's uh, it's not really an, uh, a venture fund in the classic sense, and it's not um, you know certainly not an incubator um, in the classic sense, and so our uh, our concept is, you know, one of our founding um, precepts is that in med tech and, you know, in life science in general, you don't really know, A, whether the idea is going to work until later in the game than you do for high tech, um, which, you know, we're very familiar in the Valley. And the second part is you oftentimes don't know the absolute size of the true market opportunity. And there have been things that were thought to be kind of throwaways that turned out to be billion dollar market opportunities like negative pressure wound therapy. If you look at the history of that, um, that started off as something that was licensed out of an academic lab, was going to be a surgical closure device, and, you know, kind of took on a life of its own because um, it was very impactful. And that, that, that was no amount of diligence was ever going to predict that. Uh, and, you know, conversely, um, you know, there are things where, you know, you, you, you can't really figure out why 
uh, they didn't get traction in the marketplace. And so the, the idea really is um, to meter the spend until you're you're, you're de-risking it. I guess the, the another founding precept is you you can't really de-risk it completely until you're in the middle of it. And and so you kind of have to, as opposed to doing you know nine months of diligence and then being all in, uh, we do potentially less comprehensive diligence at the front end, but invest metered amounts. Um, and and certainly over time um, are able to, you know, kind of do an active diligence process that spans, um, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of, of expense. So so let's get in, drill down and get into the, the process a little bit. You, let's start with the idea. Where do they come from? Do they come from uh, yourselves or from external sources? Uh, from both. Uh, in the first um, fund, we really focused on ideas that were more internally generated, although we, we did have some externally generated ideas. Um, you know, going forward, we are, um, you know, very interested um, as we grow in, in doing more and more external deals. Um, you know, as opposed, again, to a venture capital fund, we're really looking for the surgeon inventor or the scientist inventor, you know, maybe with an engineer, not with a fully formed team of nine people that we really, at that point, we're really not the right vehicle for, for um, development. But, you know, my experience as someone who is a surgeon who, you know, washes my hands at the sink with cardiac surgeons and orthopedic surgeons, you know, before they do cases, all these guys have great ideas. Um, they have no idea how to uh, take it to the even to the next level. Um, and so what we really want are the, those guys at that stage, um, you know, not just from Stanford, from around the country. And, you know, I can tell you we have, you know, a website and we have, you know, really, really, you know, robust deal flow because there aren't places for these people to turn to. So we would like to ultimately do, you know, the majority of our um, development on outside ideas. Uh, but historically, just to kind of prove out that we could do it, we, we focused on internal. And when you say we, uh, who is we? How many people are, are working there? Who, who founded it in addition to you and how many people work there? So I, I founded it with Michael Longacre, who's another surgeon uh, colleague of mine at Stanford and with whom I've had done some of the startups, um, uh, Resto Biosciences and, and some other startups in the past. Um, and then uh, we have a team. Uh, we have an engineering team. Uh, we have a COO uh, named Joe Rimsa, who's been around in the med medical device industry for probably 30 years and, and has a great network. Um, we have project managers, we have a quality person, um, we have uh, you know, a financial person to, to manage the accounting, which can get complicated. Uh, but then, so it's a core team of about six people um, that are um, full-time. And then as projects go in one direction or another, being in the Valley, there's lots of access to talent that you can bring in as consultants on a contract basis, um, you know, in electrical engineering and uh, software, whatever it is that we need to, to do. And we have the, you know, the physical space and modules or, and uh, cubicles to, for them to work for a period of time as consultants and then uh, or as contractors, and then we can uh, rotate them out. So the, the, the actual full-time team is quite small, uh, but we're, we're able to swap in and out people as needed depending on how the project is developing. And how much, what, what type of capital is keeping this going and, and where did it come from? So we, we raised money uh, from, you know, the same 
people that venture uh, raises money from. So, you know, university endowments, um, funds of funds, um, you know, large, uh, you know, collections of, of capital. Um, and, you know, you know who those, those people are. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we started small uh, with uh, $50 million of, of capital uh, and committed in the first fund. Um, and we, we probably will stay small um, as we go forward. It just, um, again, you know, we're still kind of in the expansion phase and trying to figure it out. I think it this this model becomes, you know, challenging when you have, you know, really large amounts of capital under under management. Although we do have, you know, a, um, you know, theories or, or ideas about how we can scale this model. We're, we're kind of going slowly out of out of uh, an abundance of caution. Um, but you know, it's it's not wasn't huge amounts of capital that we raised compared to you know most uh, venture funds. Do you think that folks were investing in your process or or in your your personnel? It's 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 unusual to have uh, limited partners invest directly in a, in a, such an early stage uh, enterprise like this one. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think it. I think there is appetite, you know, from the limited partners, you know, to be in in life science and health and and med tech. I think there's frustration with the track record, and so this was, I think, seen as somewhat of a contrarian um, sort of play uh, for them. Uh, but you know, again, I will I will say that that there is you know significant interest um, in in you know being in this space. I, I just think there's a feeling among the limiteds that the the overall model doesn't work, um, you know, given where we are in 2015 to, to generate, you know, returns, which is their, you know, that that's really their, um, their metric um, in this space in the classic way it's been done in the past. And I think everyone, you know, kind of acknowledges that, you know, med tech certainly ventures is really very challenging right now. Sure. No, no doubt. Uh, how, how do other VCs uh, interact with you given their, your feeling about how they function? Yeah, so so we haven't had a lot of. I mean, we had interest, you know, certainly kind of conversations, and you know, from some of the the med uh, medical focused or life science focused VCs that, you know, potentially if there were things that looked like they were good ideas but didn't move the needle from their fund perspective, that they would send them our way. So I think there's a sense that we fill, you know, some space in the ecosystem that actually hasn't occurred though. Uh, so. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, probably, you know, most venture uh, capitalists are somewhat skeptical, you know, because to be a venture capitalist, you have to believe in in their model. I mean, otherwise, why would you be working there? So, you know, we're kind of saying, hey, your model doesn't work. And, you know, so there's not, I wouldn't say it's been embraced by um, classic life science venture, because it, in some ways, it's, it's potentially competitive. And how have you uh, performed? You've generated a couple of exits already, right? Yeah, so we, we've um, generated uh, three exits, um, you know, and, and to, to large companies, um, and we're we kind of uh, have you know a returned our capital, and you know have, we'll have a you know a good you know return on on the invested capital, so people are are happy. Um, many of our deals are. Um, kind of ongoing because uh, you know the companies uh, wanted us to be involved in further, um, not development, but kind of turning the crank on getting things um, you know manufacturable and, and things that we were probably better at than them. So we, we had a, 
a straight medical device that we sold to Acelity uh, through their life cell unit um, that is going to be launched uh, probably in July of this year by them and their sales force. Uh, we sold a biomaterial um, aesthetic project to Allergan and that is kind of moving down the pike and towards um, um, you know, launch also. And then we, we sold a, um, a kind of an imaging adjunct uh, to Novadac, uh, which is an imaging company. Um, which is uh, currently kind of going through regulatory approval under their uh, auspices. So, yeah, it's, I think it's been it's successful, and certainly the companies that we've worked with have, I, I think, been um, very pleasantly surprised by the capability. Not surprised, but I think, um, you know, the first sale is always the hardest because people don't know, you know, who are you, why, you know, what's, you know, what guarantees do I have that, you know, this is as uh, as advertised. And so now that we have three under our belt, I think there's, a fair degree of confidence that we're, you know, able to, you know, execute that, you know, the projects that we're selling to them are, are, you know, as advertised that they, you know, fill an unmet need. They're potentially, you know, disruptors in their space. They're things that, you know, probably would never have been developed in their R&D systems, given their focus more on, you know, incremental development as opposed to, you know, true kind of white space um, uh, efforts. Uh, so I think, I think uh, you know, I, I'd have to, you know, kind of uh, reserve judgment to, to their opinions, but our, my interactions have been that they've all been very pleased with, um, you know, with, with, with their interactions with us. And what have your return on investments been? Have the prices paid been, uh, been more than you've invested? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've, they've all been, you know, we have, um, you know, in our exits, we've been between one was a three x, one was a fifteen x uh, on invested capital. So um, you know, so we've we've had a range um, of of exits, um, but they've all been multiples of invested capital. And and so you know, clear, you know, obviously in this model, you have projects that that also weren't successful. And so you know, but we've more than covered the the costs and given you know a real return, which allows us to go out and you know try to raise money, which is where we are right now, is, is in the fundraising phase to, to do this, um, to do this again. Do you, do you get the sense that these are deals that a venture capital firm would have liked to have done and you did it instead, or, or are you doing deals that they might not touch? I think both. Um, you know, I think there was clearly one that probably would not never be a venture deal, in my opinion, of the three exits. Um, one, I think, would have been a venture deal, um, and that's kind of the, the I, I think, you know, as we've kind of iterated this model, it's it's clear that occasionally, um, as with anything, you know, you are going to have the big idea within your portfolio, and and there you probably would want to start a company. And so we're creating the flexibility in our next fund that if you know we are on something that would be a classic kind of venture big idea that we want to have the the flexibility to to um, to um, you know create a, a standalone company to kind of go the classic venture route. The advantage here is that, you know, we are trying to never lose money and certainly never lose very much money. Um, so we, we kind of, as we have these exits, we don't have a gigantic hole that we're trying to get out of to, to generate a return. If we, if we, you know, have a bunch of projects that we kill, you know, with one or $200,000 invested, that's, it's a lot different than, you know, having companies where you, you, you might be 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars in that you're not sure where they're where they're headed. Um, so so we don't create big holes in the ground. And then, 
you know, if we're always able to to sell things for more than we make them on a multiple basis, then that seems like a sustainable model uh, given where we are in in uh, you know, certainly medical device investing right now. Just going back to the process, I mean, it, it's easy to say that we'll spend a very little money to find out that this idea doesn't work, but that uh, you know, to 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 fail quickly can be a very expensive endeavor. How do you figure out that something is or is not going to work and, and do so without committing too many resources? Yeah, so so we um, you know have a much more active process than a than a venture fund would have. I mean, in a venture fund, you would kind of you know you didn't you'd have your seed investment and then you have your Series A, but the company would kind of be doing things on their own. Um, and uh, and then you'd have quarterly board meetings. Now the company, obviously, having been involved in companies, um, uh, you know, they're obviously if this idea doesn't work, they're not going to say this idea doesn't work. They're going to pivot to another idea. They're going to try to reboot or whatever. You know, those are all very expensive processes, and they're not going to say, oh, we, I mean, rarely will they say, you know, this is hopeless and we're going to we're going to shut it down. Um, I think what we're able to do, because uh, we don't have that sort of structure, is is you know more rapidly uh, see the handwriting on the wall and, and move away resources. So I think that this so that's one thing is is we're really um, very involved. And the second thing that's I think very important is you know we have deep technical expertise. We're we're surgeons. We're operating surgeons. You know we know um, you know we can talk to our friends or we know. Uh, what's possible in in you know in in medical um, uh, practice? Uh, we know what the challenges are in terms of reimbursement. Um, we have engineering expertise in house that you know. So so really, the, this is this is not a financial model. This is a technical model where we're you know creating things um, that have you know obviously financial value. But it's it's you know my own experience with with classic you know life science VC is is that it's it's financially driven it's really you know kind of figuring out okay this is this market and this and this and this but unlike you know high tech you know like uber or something like that where hey yeah no i get it you can have an app that will get you a car there that makes sense there that that's going to work you're going to make that happen um in life science a lot of times things don't work you know your technology doesn't work it doesn't make a difference it doesn't you know change your clinical endpoints and so it's a completely different animal than um than technology investing in my opinion and so i think it it's it doesn't make sense to me just from a common sense perspective that the same vehicle would be the ideal vehicle to uh foster innovation in these two very different um you know areas that venture tends to play in and just finally speaking to the the state of the surgeon entrepreneur earlier on earlier on you said that the surgeons still are, are very innovative they come up with uh with great ideas, yet there seems to be a lot stacked up uh, against them to to get those ideas out there to turn them into companies. They're either working too much, or they're they're less incented because they can't own equity anymore, or they don't have their own practices anymore. So their ideas don't even perhaps belong to them; they belong to the hospital they work for. What is the the state of the the surgeon entrepreneur, and and how are you overcoming? these hurdles that seem to be popping up uh, in front of many. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the hurdles, I think the ownership issue is, is not as big an issue as, as you might think, uh, you know, I think in most, um, most settings, um, there are not hugely onerous and, you know, there are some that are, but most settings, there's not hugely onerous intellectual property kind of 
reach throughs that that prevent um, you know surgeons from inventing things. I, I think the real challenge is you know you, you have an idea um, to really have it have you know create interest from a strategic point of view. The idea is not enough. You, you know I think and I think most people who are kind of inventor entrepreneurs will say it's really difficult to go to a Medtronic, a Johnson & Johnson, or whatever with an idea and have it go anywhere. I mean, they need more than that because they just don't, you know, you, you get seen by a middle manager and, you know, they're all very polite, but it just goes nowhere. And so you need to get it to a stage where it's more fully baked. And I think that's really the challenge is how, how do you do that? Um, and so the classic way is you, you start a company and then you have a CEO and a CFO and a CTO and, a, and they all do it. But that's a very expensive way of doing that. And if what you're trying to develop is in, you know, pediatric market or something, you know, there's just not the market size to 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 justify that investment. So that idea dies or never goes anywhere. And so here, you know, really what we're we're saying is, you know, we think we can help you develop this idea. Um, and, and if we don't, we will go forward with it. But we think, you know, for the good ideas, we can develop them um, on a cost effective basis. Um, and um, and engage strategics early enough so that an exit that will pay out a multiple is possible, even on you know a small exit, a twenty million dollar exit. You know that venture capitalists you know think that's a loss, but if you've only invested a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, that's you know a pretty good win. But it, it just doesn't work in the venture model, and I think it's a structural issue. Um, you know, I, I think every day, every surgeon and every operating room in the world. You know, has challenges and has problems and has issues and has friction. And they're like, everyone is thinking, gosh, if you could only do this, this would be better. And if you could only do that, that would be better. If we didn't have this, you know, we could do that. And, you know, those, those, you know, all those ideas out there, not all of them are good and the vast majority probably aren't good. But within that, that basket of ideas are some real gems. And, and so, you just have to figure out a way um, so that, that those things can get to the next stage, which is, you know, stuff that you can't, it's, it's you know, probably cost prohibitive for most surgeons to do it on your own. There's some that can, you know, you have to do intellectual property, you have to do a landscape search, you have to, you know, get some sort of regulatory in idea or opinion. Um, you have to, um, you know, think about, you know, how is this manufacturable? Can this be manufactured? Um, what's the reimbursement pathway? Is this a new code? Can you glom onto an existing code? All those things are not familiar for most busy surgeons. And so if you have the ability to to do that, to provide that, um, it maintain some equity ownership so that the, the physician inventor, surgeon inventor, scientist inventor has some skin in the game, and then have, you know, essentially the ability to take that idea and bring it to a stage where it's interesting to a strategic and they're willing to pay money for it. That seems like, you know, uh, you know, really what's needed in the ecosystem right now. Um, I think, you know, again, just to kind of shortly answer your question, I don't think it's it's the uh, ownership. I think it's just people just don't know how to get to that step from idea to something that's interesting to, to a strategic acquirer. Um, and, you know, how do you do that? Unless you've done it, unless you're in Silicon Valley, unless you're in Boston or Minnesota, you just don't, there's no one who can even advise you how to do that. And so I think that's kind of the, the place that we want to be. So last question, is, is Totona just a, a, a blip, uh, an exception? Or do you think that uh, we're going to see more efforts like yours popping up in, uh, in other markets in medtech? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think, um, you know, I, I, 
I hope that we have a competitive, you know, advantage for a period of time. Uh, but you know, I, I do think clearly the the way that um, you know medical uh, technology and products uh, have been developed is um, it, it doesn't work right now. It doesn't seem like it's going to work in the future. And but on the other hand. I am certain that medical progress will continue to occur, and so there will be a different, um, you know, vehicle. I think this is one potential vehicle. I think some of the venture funds that are run by the the strategics are another potential potential vehicle uh, to try to solve this problem. I think the problem will be solved. I, you know, I don't. I, we're pretty bullish on our model. Um, you know, so but I, I don't know. Um, you know, maybe it's. Maybe we have some, you know, different insights or unique insights. I don't know the answer to that, but I think, you know, for sure, progress will occur, and for sure, um, the model through which medical progress occurs will be different than it is now. And so, this is just one of the the different flavors of different. Terrific, Jeff. Well, well thanks for introducing us to uh, Tatona, and um, look forward to keeping in touch in the future. Okay, thanks very much, Tom. Really appreciate the time. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's great to uh, hear of new innovative methods in MedTech. Please, if you'd like to hear more of the MedTech Talk podcast, go to medtechconference.com. Sign up for our Engage newsletter, and you'll get this podcast and our other MedTech content sent directly to your inbox. Thank you again for listening, and tune in next time for another tale of innovation.